Welcome to the Maverick Mindset Podcast, a podcast that will explore the stories of people who have chosen to take life into their own hands, in their own way, and define what success means for them. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and maybe even learn something new. My name is Romeo Santos, and I'll be your host. This is the Maverick Mindset Podcast. Let's go. All right, everybody. So I am super, super excited for our inaugural show here. We are meeting with Damali Sadler and Lamar, our special uh, surprise guest. Um, Damali Sadler is a native Washingtonian and a longtime hospitality professional who has always had a passion for serving others. Um, that passion, along with the curveball of COVID-19, has helped to springboard her into the new chapter as the co-owner of the Ivy City Market in Northeast DC. That is located at 19 Capitol Ave. Um, Damali and her team have their sights set on not only growing a successful business, but also creating an anchor in the community that serves and gives back. Never a conformist, Damali plans to do things differently. In the vein of for-profit impact organizations, the Ivy City Marketplace will be much more than just a corner store. Let's welcome this maverick to the show. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being with us. And Lamar, please tell us a little bit about you. Hey, man. Uh, I am from uh, Houston, Texas. I moved here probably close to, what, 13 years ago, uh, I assume. Okay. Um, Working hospitality, a few restaurants. It was the quickest job. It's one of those industries where you can get a job uh, anywhere, <laughs> for the sure. most part, all over this world. You can find a job in hospitality for the most part uh, if, you, if you, you know, uh, believe in the industry, which is good. Yeah. Kind of feed it and it feeds you back. It's a good industry to be in. Um, I started off uh, working at uh, my first restaurant in D.C. I worked at it was called B. Smith Restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, there I got my first bartending job over at B. Smith and Union Station. And uh, I was looking for additional work because uh, I could get part time at the moment. I walked uh, about three blocks toward uh, the Capitol and stumbled upon Charlie Palmer Steak and uh, thought the place looked nice from the outside. I um, walked in, check it out, asked for an application and uh, was hired within the next uh, two days, which was pretty Oh, wow. Cool. They, were, they were needing some people as, as, as we know, this is a very uh, turn and burn industry. So uh, uh, the door keeps revolving. So, you know, where, <laughs> where somebody doesn't want to work, somebody wants to work. And it worked out for me. I've been working at Charlie Plumbers for a little over over 10 years at this point. And, uh, you know, going through COVID and stuff like that, it's, it's been strange. Uh, our, our owner really took the uh, uh, pandemic serious and did not want to risk uh, employees getting sick. Uh, we didn't have a, enough uh, patio space to run an operation uh, as far as like to go, knowing that we... we it's a high-end sure. restaurant and stuff like that. So um, he decided not to open. And uh, that has pushed uh, most of employees into finding other outlets to survive and make money out here. Um, you know, so right. it allows us the freedom, put our thinking caps on and, and get into some positive uh, uh, things that can really feed us. We're so used to being in this uh, treadmill or hamster wheel, so to speak, with work in that routine and uh, 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 as the threat of COVID has kind of allowed us to think outside that box a little bit and, and do something for ourselves 
and Damali is big on giving back to the community and yeah uh, you know that's very passionate and uh you know she's making it happen <laughs> a lot of people talking awesome. about it she is actually doing it uh with with her bare hands and uh i'm love it and help out i love that i love that thank you so much for sharing that with us and and you know i i, I keep having a lot of conversations with folks and and it's it it it's one of the silver linings I think that's coming out of this pandemic is that it is giving people the opportunity to, to explore something different, almost forcing them to explore something different. Right. So Damali, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, obviously you and I have known each other, right. But so that, so that our, our viewers and our listeners can learn more about who you are, the amazing person that I've always known and loved. And, and then let's talk about where you are today with, uh, Ivy City Market, please. Um, well, I want to start off again just by thank you. Thank you for having me. And I feel very uh, special by being part of your inaugural run of your new show. I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited about what's happening right now. And to piggyback on what Lamar said and about uh, the horrors of COVID. But what's interesting about humanity and human beings is that we shine doing adversity. We innovate, mm. we make it happen, whether you're talking about the Black Plague or the Spanish pandemic or whatever, human beings find ways to make a way for themselves. And we see it all over the place and it's happening all over the place in the uh, restaurant industry. So as Lamar stated, uh, we, I was furloughed, um, his restaurants closed down, um, capacity is very low. And uh, I was just basically doing my best to find work where I could, a childhood friend, approached me about the store and um, I had an opportunity and I had an opportunity to help the community around me, um, which is my community, the African-American community, the Washington DC community. And uh, I went for it. Uh, kind of like just, just went for it without like thinking it through as much as I maybe should, but it just felt like it was the right decision. As far as my background, I am a uh, Washington uh, DC DMV native. Um, I started off not far from Ivy City. Um, mm. I lived in subsidized housing with my parents. My dad rode, uh, drove a cab 12 hours a day and the other 12 hours he went to law school and got his homework done and then got a, um, got a shower in and a meal and went back to it. That was my wow. life for the first 10 years. Um, wow. um, so I got to see the community in the 1980s. I would very much got to, um, see the changes in the community, um, through the eighties into the explosion, the drug explosion of the 1990s. Mm. Um, and, uh, then I got shipped off to the suburbs. Um, so I got to see Alexandria and have that experience, which, um, meant a lot to me um you know i'm somebody who uh seeks diversity so it's just given me such an opportunity to see how different walks of life uh exist um and the ranges of personalities and privilege and people who are without and that mm. and, and 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 because of that experience is why i wanted to make this move and it was so important to me now, you know, uh, you said a couple things there that, that brought me back to when we were working together. And, and one of the things that I've always loved so much about you is your genuine curiosity. Where do you think that came from for you? Like, was that developed or just something that you've always been? Um, I, think, I think that with all human beings, it's nature and nurture. 
I think that I was inherently that person and my parents did everything in their power to nurture that in me, that we were basically in the hood in the 1980s. And, you know, I listened to opera and we watched musicals and I I was really into cats. And I cannot, I was just telling Lamar the other day, I was like, I had so many, I'm, I could be like a vet, but like just for cats. Cause my parents, whatever I was interested in, they were like, here are the books, you know? Um, and I was a wild child, big tomboy. You know that about me too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, and I'm always interested in people. Being an only child for a really long time always made me really interested in people and family dynamics and why people do what they do. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Lamar, what was it that made you um, come to the DC area from, from Texas? Yeah, that was the young adult life uh, in your mid to late 20s. You're just trying to figure life out. And uh, I was the middle of nine kids. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so being that you're kind of stuck in a tug of war situation, um, I, I, I was. I, it put me in a situation where I became like the, uh, uh, I hate saying the ugly duck, whatever, but but I, I was different. My, we were all different in our perspective, uh, but I was uniquely different. Being okay. that I was, I was kind of like that, that bridge uh, between generations and uh you know my younger brothers and sisters and my older brothers and sisters so i got to see the same concepts of what damali is talking about you live in these poor communities uh growing up through the 80s and i mean <laughs> you know, uh, people got away with a lot a lot of things happen and then you think about like like now like uh, uh uh what's going on uh with technology and how far along we've come and a lot of those things couldn't happen uh, uh, in today's time. So, you know, uh, things like that forced me to kind of seek out and do something different, uh, with my life, something that, that meant something to me. And, um, um, so I, I took that leap of faith and, uh, you know, things have been working out and, um, my mother worked for the airlines. So I was back and forth in Houston a lot. So a lot of people take that, man, you left your family. It's like, no, they were, if, if I didn't go home, somebody came here to visit me and hang out with me. <laughs> And it was a back and forth uh, uh, situation. So, yeah, yeah. So, very okay. close, close with the family, but I, I'm not bothered by, hey, get, come, come do what I need you to do or, or this and that. So, I kind of get to get to do my own thing, which was much needed in my life. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I also, I, I grew up, uh, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I grew up, my mom was on Section 8 housing. And, you know, we, we didn't live in, in a, in a, terrible neighborhood but it was it was I'd certainly watched like a transition you know um and it's because the community I think was a section eight community when I moved in I was one of the first non-white kids being Hispanic right Mm -hmm. and when when I moved out maybe like 18 years later when I was ready to start my life I was one of the few non-black kids in the neighborhood like it changed immensely what do you guys think for you growing up and seeing how how the world has kind of shifted and, and the, the economic indifferences for people of color how has that impacted you and made you you know the, into the people that you are today and and it seems like you both have a real passion for wanting to serve others and do something more than just for yourself it gives you a perspective lamar and i talk about that all the time and how we approach the business is if you see some of the worst off people and you see some people that are extremely well off. I had some names, people that are so famous. I'm not allowed to mention them in my station last Friday. Mm, Um, 
So you see the the, the elite and you see homeless people every day that um, have serious drug addictions, but still um, appreciate that you call them sir or ma'am and uh, uh, that you show them respect in your humanity. So it makes you really humble. I've gotten into the habit of walking into the yes market and saying a little prayer for uh, the migrant workers, for the truck drivers that got into the shop, for the people who are risking their lives to work in the yes market, to give me the groceries. Um, I, I've always thought that I was a person who had some level of humility. I've never realized how privileged I am as a working class person um, because of where I am, because of what I have, because of the great people that I know and the opportunities that I have. I've never, COVID, I've never been so grateful in my life since COVID. Um, mm. So I think that our experiences have brought us to this place because we've seen the full spectrum um, and we know what is needed now. And in particular, if not now, when? In particular, in particular, this was the time that we needed to make an impact and go to the community. Because like they say, when, when the uh, country gets a cold, the, the, the poor get pneumonia, that's happening mm. right now. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Okay, so that was a good segue, I think, to talk a little bit about, um, about this new venture. Please, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to talk about entrepreneurship, right? Like what people are doing and how they're doing it in their own maverick, unorthodox way. So tell us about it. Uh, when we took over the store and by we, uh, myself, uh, Lamar and my brother who is uh, at the store, so he can't be here today. Okay. Um, we talked about what we wanted to do. Like we've always wanted to have our own business. And when there's always been people around who wanted to invest in us, but we wanted to, to have more meaning and we wanted it to represent us um, and by us, hospitality workers, African-Americans, people who came from humble backgrounds, and we wanted to be able to represent that. And we pretty much are doing lots of things right now. We have a convenience store in Ivy City. We have backyard space, and we're trying to make it into retail space for um, uh, people who may want to have uh, events um, and things like that. Um, we also want to run our own restaurant out of it, and we also are looking to be a community hub. Uh, long story short, too late, what we're doing is trying to get back to uh, the general market of the early 20th century. Regardless mm. of what neighborhood you were in, in the United States of America in the early 20th century, Irish, Italian immigrant, African American, the general store was a lot of things. It was a social hub. It was a place to get away from your family. It was a place where people socialized. <laughs> it was a place where you could get your taxes done. You maybe could talk to somebody about um, financial problems that you were having and maybe a way to, to, to help that, a place where you got credit, a place where your friends were, um, and so much more. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to serve the community and also build, build wealth in our own families and, and create a better future for ourselves. So we're doing a lot of things on a lot of frequencies all at the same time. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, you can tell there's a lot of passion behind that. What is, what specifically is so important to you about being able to do this in this community? Um, my privilege to those who much is given, um, much to be expected. Um, mm. I was um, a, a, a poor little girl on 21st and Benning Road and subsidized housing. And I swear to God, I had no idea I was poor. We were poor. There was like government cheese in the refrigerator. I had no idea I was poor. Um, and like, 
just the life that I had and the, and, and the privilege, the mother who stayed home for the first six or seven years of my life and read to me, I want to I wanna have workshops because that meant so much to my identity. My mother would sit and read Judy mm. Bloom or when my mother read E.T. to me and I realized books are so much better than the movie and I love that movie. Um, yeah. So things like that, that's what I, I, I want to bring to the community because just interacting with the children every day, they're not getting that. Right. They're not reading on, on grade level. Lamar interacts with them. I interact with them. Um, they can't do basic math at uh, seven, eight, nine years old. I want to bring them those things. I want them to get excited about these things. And there are other leaders, heroes in the community that are doing that also. So I'm working with them. We're working together and we're going to move forward and, uh, and see what we can do for the community that needs it so, so much, needed it before COVID and now more than ever. Okay. All right. I love that. I love that. Now, how are you guys dividing and conquering? Cause it's three of you. So who does what? <laughs> um, I'm pretty much, I the, mean, I mean, I mean, well, I know who does the, the bossing. So besides <laughs> that, who does what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we do whatever she says <laughs> um well we're kind of, kind of trying to break it up from the uh from as far as taking care of the books and the finances and the needs and the inventory that's pretty much my brother's deal um right. Lamar's uh, a lot of the outreach and the innovator and he's really going to bring his concept of bar Lamar to uh that backspace that we're eventually going to develop for um restaurants for fundraisers uh and um i love that by the way bar lamar that just rolls yeah, you like that? yeah yeah, yeah. Stuck with me. i got this uh a, a guy who's a older guy i worked with uh, years ago and he thought about this concept i think it's about five or six years ago uh a uh, guy named craig and i never forget craig's story uh craig set me on fire uh by accident <laughs> Um, okay. Say, uh, sterno. Uh. <laughs> oh, he literally let he literally let to bring some type of entertainment to this show, uh, but it was uh, he, he didn't intend to. Uh, he was cleaning off a table, and we know how the sterno gel. Oh yeah. Get. So the gel was lit, and it got on a um, a uh, a tablecloth uh, on top of a table. This during the, this is during service of a large. Uh, breakfast event for christmas that we would do so around this time of year actually uh, so we're coming up an anniversary when i was set on fire oh <laughs> the God. guy who coined the term bar lamar um which is weird but um yeah he was cleaning off this this tablecloth and the gel was on fire he didn't know what to do so he's he's wiping it off of the table not knowing that the gel is still lit and some of it lands <laughs> on my pants dude that's napalm and i'm like Craig, yes. <laughs> what the Effort right. like like just right. ball it up and wrap it up. It's gonna yeah. be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh so anyway, it's not like for, I didn't get for, any burns. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> for, 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 for those of you there was one of our unique this. moments, and he freaked out once he saw that my pants leg was on fire. I was very calm. I just kind of brushed <laughs> the gel off and it was fine. But uh, that's so, how Parlamar so, came yeah. out. And, that's uh, funny but not, not everybody it, knows what a sterno is so let's just let, let's make sure that everybody knows what a sterno, so a sterno folks is when you go to a buffet and it's underneath of the pan that's keeping your food warm that's a sterno and yes it's a gel that's a highly flammable gel that only goes out when it's extinguished with without oxygen so yeah. that stuff can definitely and it's sticky right it'll yeah. it'll stick to you <laughs> yes 
stuck to my pants on fire. Oh my goodness. Perfect. Uh, Bar Lamar. Yeah. He set you on fire and named you Bar Lamar. I've never been able to develop this kind of concept until COVID. You know, I've been I've been going to work and doing my thing. Uh open up a bar, running the program, creating cocktails, making that connection with the guests to make uh you know, you want repeat uh guests. I didn't know I was building like a whole clan of like Lamar followers at the time. I just thought I was doing what was required so that I can make more money, which is, you know, treat the guests, guests with respect, um, yeah. make them good, good things, and they'll return to you. Uh, that's how it works. And, uh, you know, I've been having a lot of support from a lot of the customers and, uh, you know, people that I've met over the years. And uh, it's, it's been pretty beneficial uh, at, a, at a time like this, which has been pretty tough. So, I've uh, had some time to think and try to develop this concept of Bar Lamar, and I pretty much wanted to start with just serving people that I know. I'm not trying to get into, you know, breaking a lot of laws and selling liquor and stuff like that. So people that I know would ask me for cocktails, and I, I, I'd make them for them. And mm-hmm. uh, now that the opportunity comes with the store, I can do things. And it, it just goes beyond uh, alcoholic beverages. It's also to include juice products, uh, fresh mm-hmm. juices, and things like that which would really come into content and, and help with uh, what we're trying to do at the store, which is uh, give people a different perspective, uh, bring Damalia's big, big on fresh food, farm to table type type of uh, uh, ingredients and nutrients that you put into your body. And uh, that that's, that's kind of what we we're going with, with everything in the store. So okay. it was a perfect concept to kind of slide in there, you know, kind of, kind of things, things choose you. Uh, sometimes so it's almost like this this opportunity with the store kind of just fell upon us and it's working out okay so we're working working it out it's getting there little by little we're keeping the faith and trucking along you know yeah and, well uh, anything worthwhile is tough they say right yeah that's that's correct <laughs> all right so so you guys are open currently right correct okay and so I, you you've got a few initiatives that you're working through right i know that when you spoke the other day there was something that you guys are working towards some of those other events. We want to definitely make sure that we touch on those and make sure that the, you know, the, the Maverick nation, we can get involved and we can help you guys. So how can the Maverick nation help you guys? Well, what we're doing right now is we basically have a, um, a tiny little convenience store, basically Mm -hmm. a a neighborhood bodega. We are working on licensing to set up a deli in the back. Um, okay. We'll eventually roll into uh, serving food from the backyard. We've got a grill mm-hmm. out there. We need to develop it a little bit to make it COVID safe and hospitable to guests that want to come in. But there's going to be a deli. There's going to be a restaurant space. And we really, really want to um, create a commercial space and also, like I said, a place for the community. So right now, we're just running a convenience store. We're looking for okay. the to do fundraising to create the investment to get the backyard going so we can create more fundraisers because the end goal is to create a restaurant and uh, also uh, hopefully based on our conversation by the building. Um, mm. that, w- that would be ideal for us to be able to take over that building and really um, be like a cornerstone of the neighborhood and support the people that are supporting the neighborhood. That's another okay. part of what I want to do. So let's talk a little bit about that. I don't think we've did, do, we have not done a good job of diving into that. What are the plans on the giving back element of your business? Um, it's multidimensional. As I said, I'm working with um, leadership in the Ivy City neighborhood, mm-hmm. including uh, Sabrina Rhodes, who is going to be sworn in as the neighborhood ANC in January. Okay. And she's doing a lot of outreach to the children. 
And um, I have been working with her to figure out what piece of that puzzle I can be to serve the neighborhood children, the neighborhood elderly, those are, that are in need. Um, right. We're going to start off by having her um, party after she's sworn in to celebrate. Oh, um, nice. That but, would be a great one. Right. And we're, we've been talking about the kids. What can we do for the kids? How can we incentivize the kids doing their homework? Um, mm. What they need to do is sometimes come outside sometimes be in a quiet place. So we're gonna, we wanna have the tents out there where they can come in. Um, I've been working with some yoga instructors in the area, kind of trying to talk about bartering space so they can come in and do classes and they can also work with the children on meditation, which in um, underserved communities has been found to help a lot of children with uh, concentration, with anger uh, issues, all the, the, the pluses that go along with yoga really help underserved children deal with the, the, the negative environments, the trauma, all of those good things. So that's um, that's one level to it. Okay. Um, I want I want to have gym class back there. Um, I want them to be able to do lunches because we know psychologically human beings are tied to nature, and we do better when we go outside for walks or we just mm -hmm. sit in the park. So I want to make a beautiful space because I mean, like the development there isn't very good. I want to make a little oasis for the children and the elderly and the and the superheroes in the neighborhood. Um, so we're, 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 we're working on that right now. Okay. Awesome. All right. And so you've got some plans for some fundraisers, some planned fundraisers there at the space or, um, what, what, what are the plans the there to develop the space, to do yep. more fundraising, to, to do all the things we're trying to do right now. Right. Okay. And so what, how far along are you in the development process for the initial fundraiser so that you can, so that you can bring this vision to fruition? Well, we're working on it right now. We, we're still putting together the, the, the inventory for the convenience store. Um, okay. We're developing things in the store that, to make our inventory match the needs of the community and not poison them at the same time because necessarily okay. they don't necessarily make all the healthiest choices sometimes <laughs> and the offerings there aren't very good. So we're really taking baby steps right now and looking for um, support and ideas and input and feedback to figure out how we get to the first fundraiser lead to the rest of the fundraisers. Okay. All right. Now, do you have any sort of a link set up where people can go and donate or how, how can people get donations to you guys? Um, right now, I would love it to start with a conversation because we got to have a conversation before we do anything. And this is okay. what I'm telling my uh, partners is we really want to have a dialogue with those fundraise those, those people who want to um, help us fundraise and want to contribute to us to how we're going to do this. We want to hear their ideas. We want them to be an integral part of what we're trying to do. We want to be with the believers, not people just throwing money at us um, mm -hmm. because they want to feel good about themselves. We want them to be a part of what we're doing and see what we're doing and, and consult with us. Like, what are, you, are you a builder? Do you do landscaping? Like, how can you help us? How can you advise us so we can move forward? And I want it to be an interactive experience. So eventually we'll be all set up for that. We don't per se have um, any, because we're still running a, a convenience store and we're just getting that started. Sure. We'll get there very soon. Yep. Okay. All right. That's beautiful. I love that. You know, I mean, that's very different, right? Most people, when they're looking to raise money, that the goal is just to raise money. I love how you really want to bring people in and make sure that the people that are that are helping you to raise money are also vested in what it is that you're doing. I think that's really beautiful and, and very unique. Mutual so. benefit in that. There's mutual yeah. benefit in that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about perfect world. 12 months. What are we doing in 12 months from today? 
<laughs> in 12 months, we have a profitable uh, restaurant in the evenings in the back. Similarly okay. to um, the Gravitas up the street or the Ivy City Smokehouse. And in the daytime, we are doing everything that we can to connect in the community around us where children are familiar with the uh, environment. They can come in and they know that they have, they can do a two o'clock socially distanced book reading. They know okay. that uh, at noon, right after lunch at the clubhouse, they can come down and do meditation um, if they're interested, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's, that's what I'm looking to do. And I want that to be a, happening every day like clockwork where we have a profitable business at night and at the and daytime we're, we're feeding both sides i love that that's beautiful all right that's great now do either of you plan to go back to hospitality or is this now the the new mission the next chapter <laughs> and it's permanent well the next chapter is hospitality but to answer <clears throat> your question i'm sure still, you're i'm right. still at blt yeah right Yep. And Lamar still does his, his bartending thing where he can with the bar Lamar, um, creating the cocktails. And eventually, eventually his concept is going to go into that backyard space as part of the restaurant. He's central to it. Lamar really, really undersells himself. He is a mixologist. <laughs> He's amazing. He's a lead bartender. Yeah. And his following is unreal. I, uh, he, he raised a GoFundMe for Charlie Palmer Steak. And it was how much? Um, well, the portion I was responsible for was like a little close to like 40 grand, um, $40,000. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, I'll be, I'll be realistic with you. Uh, one of the guys, um, um, that works in the building who, who frequents a lot, um, and he runs his own firm business out of that building. You know, he gave 20 grand. I did reach out wow. to him and, uh, what happened was the bar our, our our goal was 30 uh grand and he decided at that point uh he was gonna put in uh 20 grand so that's a big oh. chunk of the 40. um totally. the other has to do with a lot of of digging through facebook social media uh going through shoe boxes full of business cards that i've collected from years and you know uh, emailing people and reaching out, uh, just really getting, getting, getting in there and, and finding people. And, uh, thanks to social media, when I found one person was linking me to people like, Oh shit, I know that guy too. And like, you know, <laughs> you know it was just like a, a spider web of connections with people. So, uh, that helped a lot. Um, you know, and that, that money was, uh, so that goal from 30 grand after the guy put in the 20, they raised it up to 50 and I think we got close to about a 46 or 47 uh, total, something like something around there. So we didn't quite hit the 50 mark. We got we got pretty close. <clears throat> and so, that's because people like Lamar a lot. That's the end of that story. <laughs> that's what they, that's yeah. What they yeah. 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 What now? Now. Now. Wait a minute. That's not the end of it. What was the fundraiser for? It was a, it was a, it was a GoFundMe. Was, for the the fundraiser was for Charlie Palmer, but but for the, the staff and the staff oh, for the staff. Oh yes. my goodness, you so guys were able to raise a, that. Uh, wow, this is a GoFundMe wow. account that the restaurant set up. So I didn't get the forty grand. Wow, but <laughs> right, no, of course, uh, <laughs> it got split between the sixty-eight employees in the restaurant. Oh my goodness, I wow. think I got a whopping five hundred and ninety bucks. Okay. All right. You know what? That wasn't a crazy amount of money, but for what was going on at the time, a lot of people yeah, yeah, benefited, benefited yeah, from that money. Sure. That, was, sure. that was uh, huge for them, and it was really awesome. 
How did that make you feel being able to be a part of raising so much money? Uh, it made me feel like I need to do it again, uh, somehow, some way, you know, I mean, well, it's about, I gave people a break, you know, they had, yeah. they had nine months to, uh, you know, uh, do some saving up for me. So we'll, we'll <laughs> and I'll probably have to get back in now's the time, right? It's the tearjerker season. So, you know, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, wet my eyes up and, uh, you know, tearjerker. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to squeeze them for what they got right now. Hopefully it'll work, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I I think that's kind of the bunny trail I was trying to take you guys down. Like, we just had a conversation about a fundraiser that you guys are looking to do for your business, and you just proved that you could raise $40,000. I think we got to get to work. (laughs) I'm hoping I can do do better, you know, but, uh, you know, um, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, how much are you guys looking to raise uh, initially? Damali, when we had a conversation the other day, I think you had some sort of a number I, in I mind, but share that again. I lowballed it a little bit. I actually yeah. went back after that conversation and looked. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm thinking around to make it completely functional. I'm looking at about $10,000. Okay. So $10,000. So $10,000 to help bring this space to fruition so that you can make the impact that you're looking to. I mean, that that's relatively... Um, not a very large number. Obviously, for many people, that's a huge, huge number. So I don't mean to minimize it, but when, in the grand scheme of things of fundraising and, and businesses, that's a pretty small number. And that's so, an initial number to get us started. And then yeah. from here, we'll be doing all types of events and fundraisers and promotions, and we'll get a lot of licensing done and things like that. And just mm-hmm. that, that will help speed things up. We're going to get there. That yeah. will speed things up. I love that. We're going to get there. I love that attitude. That's right. You guys will get there. I can tell. And it sounds like you guys have a, a really, really awesome team in place. So I love it. I love it. All right. So now we come to the time, guys, where we talk a little bit about you some more. And so I had asked you some questions ahead of time, talking about some of the books that you really are enjoying. And so like right now, you said primarily news. Now, What's going on with news versus books? I mean, are you looking to be depressed? I mean, what's going on, right? Um, These news outlets. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I, yeah, I'm constantly, like, whatever it is, uh, Democracy Now!, uh, NPR, MSNBC, I'm in all of it. I'm very interested. I grew up in a household where um, we were, we were uh, conditioned to understand that our connection with we had a responsibility to at least know where the rest of the world was sure. where what everybody was up to what other people were going to and it really does help with that perspective mm. and um politics is not everything but it is um it impacts our lives a lot and i sure. feel like it's my responsibility as a, a part of this human family to know what's going on and how it's going to uh impact the lives around and, and so many African-Americans are so apathetic about politics. I have to kind of be that person ringing the alarm and being like, no, 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 listen to this. No, 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 if we do that, this is going to happen. So hmm. okay, that, yeah, a uh, lot of news, a lot of news. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to get away from it anyway, right? right. Yeah, and I try yeah. to escape, like I said, with the lectures when I'm like washing dishes or uh, cleaning stuff up or working in the store on a project. Okay, all right. Now I see on here that you had... Um, uh, one of the books that have been most impactful is also one of the books that have been most impactful for me is the e-myth Huge. by Michael Gerber. Huge. What an incredible book. So, so for those that are listening that don't know about that book, tell us a little bit about that book and why it was so impactful for you, please. Um, I love the book because it um, used a very simple model to um, explain something that is extraordinarily complex. 
um, mm-hmm. how to run a business. And basically you want to run a business, even if you have a donut cart and you're writing it down the street, you want to run that business so efficiently that if somebody wanted to take your model and make a million of them all over the world, they would work just as efficiently. That's you know? right. And, and, and part of that very simple model in the book, I think it was like a pie store where they're mm-hmm. going on and on about it. And they, and they kind of talk about, here's how you work yourself to death. Here's how you, how you lose employees. Here's how you lose your mojo you know, and they're, and they're giving you all these scenarios. So I can't tell you how many times I've backed out of situations where I had an opportunity to start a business just because I realized I wasn't with the right players who had the right mindset to do it the right way. And Mm. I've been in a million restaurants where I've seen it go both ways. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody wants to start a restaurant until they realize what it takes to start a restaurant. This will be easy. Oh honey, this will be so easy. What's All right. How about John Tapper? Yeah, pitch off of people who thought that they can just open up a restaurant because they had a little bit of money. That's right. That's right. <laughs> how, how about you, Lamar? What what's what's a book or two or or a few that have been really impactful for you in life? Um, you know, for me, um, I, I, I held on the book. I'm a big fan of Malcolm X and uh, uh, his words and impact and how he devoted his life. To something so his biography stands out a lot to me it impacted me a little bit sometimes i can kind of um feel overwhelmed and then I, it, it forces me to think about some a lot of things that a lot of people have overcame uh with adversaries so you know to to get up and get going uh is is where that leads me uh to 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 follow pursuit with that yeah love that love that awesome yeah, when I saw the E Myth on there, I was I was really like, oh, I love that book too. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, I I think probably that would be a good book for a lot of people in our nation to read because you know, unfortunately, history is not always fair to those players, and and it's just a one-sided story. Because I've also you know read a lot about Malcolm X, and and yes, there are certainly some some things that maybe people want to to say about his tactics. Yet his goal overall was to help his community to help his people. And, and, and I really admire that who, who could not. Right. So I love that. Um, so how about some mentors, Damali, you, you actually were kind enough to put me on there, which, which made me blush a little bit, but, <laughs> but let's be real. So like mentors known or not known, right. Um, yeah. First of all, that wasn't a flatter you. That's actually, he knows it's true. I talk about you all the time. They're like, Oh no, no, no. You talk about that guy all the time. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then mentors, like I said, like uh, number one, Alpha Omega is always going to be my father. Uh, yeah. I have those Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, moments in my head with my dad. My dad has passed away in 2018 and it was Sorry. really hard for me. But you know what? The lessons, those lessons are still up here. And I have conversations with him. And my, like, how would dad deal with this? What would dad tell me right now? Um, and, and like, yeah, definitely one of my um, number one mentors is my always and forever my dad um you're on that list umar naeem that i work with at several mm-hmm. places is on that list um uh malcolm x as far as people that i like he's that the thing is is that with lamar and i we've talked about malcolm x for so many years it's what's interesting he's gotten a bad rap but most importantly what's interesting right. about the autobiography is what we described earlier in this interview it's like this behavior from this uh this experience from poor rule um midwest um, to street kid, to hustler, drug dealer, pimp, to inmate, 
to uh, part of the Nation of Islam to empowering its people and figuring out what people need to becoming this international person who's transcended the racism um, and the limitations of the party and the country to come back and say, oh man, it was, we all we got, all of us. Yeah. And, uh, and by the time that they were assassinated, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King sounded exactly alike. We remember them as people on opposite ends of the spectrum at the end of their lives. And it's about that journey. And that's why mm. they resonate to us. It doesn't matter where you're at, it's where you're going. And mm. that's what we want to convey to the neighborhood. Yeah, so even even in, in his journey, um, like working in that store um, gives me perspective on uh, a lot of the youth and the kids in that, that neighborhood. Um, in it's just all that they know. So they kind of give you that and it makes a big difference uh, to them. And I can tell that when they go into a convenience store and they see a representation of themselves, uh, and it changes the entire perspective. And we get a lot of support from the older, uh, older uh, adults in the, in the neighborhood. Um, it's a very mixed community. Um, here in DC, we all know that gentrification is, is, uh, never ending and yeah. um you know you'd hope with with the change of the city that we're also protecting people i think that a lot of people are onto that now um and they don't want to just you know take this money and start a new somewhere where they don't know anybody they're like no we we, we like to regroup we like to transform our surroundings uh here where we are and not feel the need to to go somewhere else and do that um so we're seeing a lot of that we're we're seeing a big part of this community uh, come in into the store just to support and uh, you know and you can tell and they're, they're, they're rooting us on. So we have the neighborhood as our cheerleaders in a sense to uh, uh, get things moving in the right direction. And a, a big part of that, like, like I said earlier, is for me uh, seeing these kids come in and out the store and, and to, 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 I mean, just small things, just like addition, you know, <laughs> with their money and stuff like that. And they're, they're taking this responsibility on to, to no one present themselves in a better way. And that, that means a lot, you know, and I think that, you know, we can all reflect on things that we've done as kids. And sometimes we have people in our lives that we'll never forget, um, you know, that we met in our youth. And uh, to some kid, you know, Damali and I are those people you know, that they're never going to forget just based on our interactions with them. So that, that means a lot for the community and the future for those, 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 that youth, you know, that group of, of kids in that neighborhood. So. He's, he's the uncle who won't let you slack off. He's the fun uncle, but he's not, he's not going to give you an inch. I love it. <laughs> I don't give him the tough love just yet. I'm, I'm not there yet. We just kind of started, but they joke with me. They tell me how things are. And a lot of them, yeah. you know, a lot of them just want to, uh, uh, feel feel included in something uh, you know this is this year has changed a lot it's changed schooling and uh, how we live our lives right now so um you know a lot of people spend a lot of time in social media uh right now and things like that and and i think those things are changing i just saw something today between facebook and another thing where they're separating uh, the two so even these things these these social our social norms within social media are changing a lot uh, yeah. right now so uh it's going to be interesting to see uh like you said a, a, a year from now i'm hoping we'll be doing some type of toy drive or something or, you know, yes. 
uh, taking, Christmas party for yeah, for the uh, for taking, the neighborhood. Taking the kids to Roosevelt Island would be awesome. I love that. Love yeah, that. There's, there's kids in Ivy City that that have never been to Pentagon City. Yeah, I mean right. they don't. They yeah. have no idea that that, that there's an arboretum, uh, a natural reserve yeah, that's been away. put there. It's right by, up the street uh, by Teddy Roosevelt. You know our guy, right? right. By Teddy yep. Roosevelt, like, and, and he's reserved this space, and it's beautiful. And guess what? At a certain point in the arboretum, you take about uh, 20 steps, you lose the signal on your phone. You have no other option than to kind of just be there, be there, practice mindfulness. And I want the children that be exposed to those types of things. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love that. You know, I, I, I find that there is something about... Um, there's something about coming through that journey. You said that earlier, right? The journey. And I, and I talk about that all the time with my team, with my family, even with my daughters who probably have no idea what the heck I'm talking about because they're two and a half and three months old. Right. And, 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 and it is, I love the definition that success is not a destination. It is the journey. And even more so it's who you're becoming while on that journey. Right. And I and I hope that this podcast will continue to help show people. And so, you know, when I spoke to you and again, thank you guys for being on this inaugural show. My goal for this podcast is to bring amazing people like you guys on and talk about your stories, because at some point somewhere, somebody's going to listen to this. And even if it's one person that's exactly in the position that you're in and they feel lost and they no longer feel lost or at least don't feel as lost after listening to our show, it's going to be a win. Right. It's going to be a win. So listen, guys, I thank you so very much for giving us the opportunity to interview you and learn more about you. Where can people find you guys on social media or on the internet or anywhere else? Um, we'll have a Ivy City Market uh, Instagram up very soon, Facebook okay. page up very soon. And uh, we can't wait to hear from everybody. We can't wait to put this on our websites and have people see, see there and link up with us and start talking about fundraising for the future. All right. So when those are live, you're going to have to get them to us so that we can tag them into the show notes below. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Hey, well, listen, thank you so very much. I really, really do appreciate the time. This has been wonderful. Lamar, very nice to get to know you and, and learn your story. I've heard your name a hundred and one times and, and probably more. This has been the Maverick Mindset Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys again for being here. Uh, be sure to like us on social media, uh, hit the subscribe button below and tune in for the next, uh, episode with more amazing content with amazing guests just like molly um and uh and 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 lamar and my name is romeo santos i'm your host thanks, thanks very much. Romeo. thank you thank it. you so much for this opportunity bye-bye